freedom. I love that movie. First time I saw it, I jumped up in the theater and screamed hallelujah. <laughs> Tried to go enlist and found out they didn't take the white-haired guys with blue paint on their face. They wouldn't take me. <laughs> it's so good to see you guys today. We're in a series we're calling Financially Free, Finding Financial Freedom. And, and we're just that's exactly what we're talking about. Before we get into message time, though, let, let, can we celebrate with those people having been water baptized one more time? <laughs> Praise God for that. Good stuff. <clears throat> I don't know if you noticed or not, but one of the coolest things about baptisms around here is that in some cases we had fathers baptizing children, husbands baptizing wives. We pastors have been hoarding that blessing long enough. Can I get an amen in the house? The person who's most instrumental in helping somebody come to Christ ought to stand with them in their baptism. That's how we feel about it. You find scripture to the contrary, tell me and we'll talk about it and I'll forgive you for challenging me. Uh, <laughs> it's just awesome to see those family units coming together and over the years I've seen that happen so many ways where husband will baptize his wife and wife turn around and baptize her husband and where they've come to Christ together. It's just really cool to see that happen. Let me mention too, the roses out of the lobby were left by the Hardison family from the service last night. Pastor Willard Hardison, more than 50 years of, of ministry, owner at the bridge in his retirement years, passed away this past week, and uh, we celebrate with Pastor Farrell and Miss Millie his homegoing, but we pray for them as well. Tomorrow at 12 o'clock at the Veterans Cemetery, there'll be an, an interment service. If you're available at 12, you're certainly welcome to come. It's open to the public, but be on time because the veterans do 12 to 12.30 and you're out of here, so <laughs> come to be a part of that. So I, we're continuing this series, <coughs> and I thought today, instead of a sermon, to be more effective, if I would call the NSA and get them to hack your bank accounts, <laughs> and, and so we would just put your bank accounts up here on the screen, one after the other, and just call your name and put it up there and see what happens. What? Some of you would say, well, that's fine. That's yes. No big deal. Others of you feel real good about your efforts. You can't wait to see yours up there. So you can say, wow, look at that. Some of you, I, I saw one guy running out screaming right now. I don't know what happened to that dude. But why would that be kind of nervous if we started putting your bank records up here? Because we all know that money equates to values. Am I right? If we put up your spending records, we would all know a great deal about how you feel about stuff, what stuff you like, what stuff you want. We'd know a whole lot about you. We'd know a whole lot about your plan, your current plan, as it relates to spending. By the way, if you say, Pastor Jim, I, I don't really have a plan, I would say, yes, you do. Look at your checkbook. <laughs> Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, Jesus said, your heart will be where your treasure is, Right? Pastor Jim paraphrased, your money tends to flow toward those things that your heart gets excited about. So you want to know what your plan is? Not the plan you planned, the plan you're working. Open your checkbook, open your credit card statements and find out. Because that's where, where your heart is, is where your treasure is. Just show me the money. Got it? In fact, your spending would tell me what, how you feel about God. I mean, if there's a record of consistent giving, there'd be no hiding it in your checkbook, your credit card statements. It would tell me how you feel about other people, the record of giving to the Giving Life Fund or disaster relief and those kind of things, how you feel about stuff. I mean, for instance, if I saw a $700 uh, tailor-made driver in your checkbook and $200 in green fees and $300 in lost bets, 
I would know that you're a serious golfer, though really bad at it, (laughs) but you're trying to get better, right? I could figure all that out just by looking at your spending record. By the way, good equipment is is important, no doubt about it, but you can buy $10,000 worth of clubs and you'll never play like Jared Grantham. It's just not going to happen, so forget about it. I gave up on that years ago. My point simply is that if we saw your spending plan, we could tell you what you value and how much you value things like clothes and computers and vacations and, and going out to dinner. And I mean, you can tell a lot about a person by the way he spends his money. Can I get an amen in the house? You know what I love about this series? This is two weeks in a row that I've got universal amens. That just never happens <laughs> when I preach. <laughs> Again, we're in a series we're calling Living Financially Free. And, and I told you at the end of the day, this series is about one simple thing. God wants you financially free. He does not want you to live in anxiety. He does not want you to live in guilt. He does not want you to live under stress. He wants you free. If you want to get the manuscripts for these messages, go to bridgechurch.cc and pick them up. In fact, we encourage you to do that. A lot of people asked for the manuscripts this past week. Please do feel free to use them, learn from them, teach them, modify them. They're yours once they're in your hands. If you want to follow along today, Uh, With the outline, go to the Bible app, Events, Bridge, Princeton, and you can look at all the points and all the scriptures that we'll be looking at today. And if you choose to tweet something or Facebook something, then uh, use hashtag financially free, okay? Ready to get into it? The first week, we established that God has given us this amazing promise. Those of you who are here, you remember what the promise was? My God shall supply, have you memorized that one? Shall shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ. Christ Jesus. And so the point we tried to make last week was simply that God has given us this amazing promise, but every promise of God in Scripture has a premise. Do you remember that? And so the promise is, I'll supply your needs. The premise is, you got to be in Christ, which means you have to be one of my children and you have to handle the wealth that I put into your care in the way that I described for you. So put those two things together and what you get is if you manage your finances God's way, he'll make up the difference between what you're capable of and what you need. That's, that's how he works. And so what we're doing in these four weeks is we're learning a principle a week so that we can be sure that we are in fact managing our finances God's way, that we are doing our part, which is the premise, so that we set ourselves up for the promise that he will meet all our needs. So let's rehearse, okay? Principle number one last week, very simple. You can't manage wealth until you produce it. That's so deep, right? If you miss that message, be sure to get the manuscript or or go to the video, okay? Principle number two today is just as simple, but just as profound. Here we go. Let's read it together. One, two, three, go. You can only be free if you plan to be free. Simply put, if you apply principle one, you're going to have some money to manage, but without a plan, you will always struggle. If you do principle one, you'll have some money, but it will never be, you will always run out of money before you run out of month. Anybody relating? Those are just the realities, guys, because God's promise has a premise, and the premise is to to apply all of these principles into the way we manage our finance. So today, I've got three goals. Going to do this in a short time. We'll see how quick we can do it. Three goals. I want to give you a simple plan. 
simplest plan of all. It's one that Kim and I have used for years. It's one that financial advisors have talked about for years. I want to give you a very simple plan. Uh, second, I want to help you understand some of the reasons why it's hard to stay on plan so you can do a little bit of introspective work. But first, let me give you three reasons you need a biblically-based plan. I trust God. I ain't doing no budgeting mess. I ain't putting out no plan. I'm just going to trust God. Well, it doesn't work that way. Let me give you three reasons why you need a biblically-based plan. Number one, you're accountable to God for how you manage the finances He blesses you with. You're accountable to God for how you manage the finances God blesses you with. How many of you are parents of teenagers or you've had teenagers? Can I see your hands? God bless those hands. God bless you. I remember those days. God bless your hands. But you remember when your teenage children started earning money? You remember these conversations? And they started wasting that money on stupid stuff. You remember that? And you would call them in and say, let me give you some advice on how to spend your money. And what did they say? I don't need no advice. I earned this money. It's my money. I'll spend it the way I want to. And you listen to them say that, and you know they are setting themselves up for all kinds of heartache, if they would just listen to your wisdom, they could avoid a lot of pain. Is this making sense? We know that, and yet we forget that we are God's children. And he gave us the breath, and he gave us the earning opportunities, and he gave us the skills to earn these monies. Quite frankly, he put us in America to earn these monies. Kim and I have spent a lot of our lives in the third world, and there are people who who earn less than you spend at Starbucks every day. And so we're blessed incredibly, and we are, an account, we are accountable to God for what we do with those blessings. Romans chapter 14, verse 12, every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Does that include your finances? Through your heads like this, it includes your finances. Reason number two, our plan demonstrates our trust in God. This is huge. Our plan demonstrates our trust in God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 32 and 3, Jesus said the people who don't, no, God, keep trying, 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 trying to get these things, and your Father in heaven knows you need them. The thing you should want most is what? God's kingdom and doing what God wants. Then what will happen? All these other things you need will be given to you. Instead of trying, trying, trying to get this stuff, Get it back right where you say, you know what, I know who God is. I know he owns the, the, the cattle on a thousand hills and the taters in them hills. And he's promised to meet all of my needs if I just get in Christ and do things his way. So I'm just going to put him first and I'm going to trust that he will make up the difference between what I'm capable of and what I need. Guys, hear me. There is a direct link between faith and finances. There is a direct link between faith and finances. Lots of reasons why God set it up that way. But the bottom line is he did. Third reason, i got to move on because we've got ground to cover, is financial planning always comes before leadership. Financial planning comes before leadership. Here's how Jesus said it, Luke chapter 16, verse 11. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with what is it? True riches. What, what, what are true riches? Anybody know what true riches are? It's people. Jesus didn't die for stuff. Jesus died for you. 
He died for me. True riches are people. So let me, let me see. I don't know if you understand why that's so important to leadership, but here's the deal. Money is static. It's not dynamic. It's static, right? So you get a pile of money stacked up on the table. Unless the wind blows or something, it ain't going nowhere, right? So all you got to do is come up with a plan and figure out how to manage that stack. It's good to go. People are not static. They are dynamic, They're constantly changing. And so here's what God is saying. If you can't manage static stuff, why would I trust you with dynamic stuff? Does that make sense? So the simple truth is, before you rise to leadership in the kingdom of God, to the level that he has gifted you to rise to, you got to get a handle on your finances. I'm seeing so many people, I'm called to this or I'm called to that, but I have to settle these debts first. I'm called to this or I'm called to that, but I just can't afford to make that leap. I'm called to this or I'm called to that, but I just don't know how I can get from where I am to where it is. And it's often about money. But frankly, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're aspiring to be a leader or not, financial planning is an essential part of all of our lives. So let's invest a few minutes of our time, and let's learn a simple plan, okay? Get a pencil and paper out, get your smartphone out, open up the notebook, and, uh, and get ready to write some really profound stuff down. This is deep, this is complex, but I'll try to make it as simple as I can, okay? Now, don't get nervous. I'm not fixing to put you in a straitjacket. I'm not fixing to give you this rigid plan, this legalistic, and ah, oh no, I, I may mess it up. I simply want to give you a very basic plan, again, one that Kim and I have used for almost 40 years, one that Christian financial advisors have talked about for many, many years, and it's simply called 101080. That's it. God bless you. Thanks for coming. Have a good day. 101080. What on earth is 101080? I want you to picture your income if you you can. Kind of imagine it's a pie and you've cut that pie into slices, and your pie is cut into three slices. Can you get that picture in your mind? It's a pie, there are three slices. One slice is 10%, another slice is 10%, and the third slice is 80%. Got it? Simple plan, right? Let's unpack this a little bit. The first 10% goes to God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your wealth and the, what's the word? First fruits from all your crops. Any farmers know that the first fruits are the first fruits of the harvest. They are the best of the harvest. And so God says, I want what's first. I want the first part. Uh, because, the, because I gave it all to you. I just want you to give me the first part. So how do you honor God with first fruits? Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. What? It's not Malachi? Looks like Malachi to me. Anyway, however you say it, it's chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. Let's, read, let's break it down, okay? We're not going to read the whole thing uh, at one bite. Let's just break it down, okay? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. What's the storehouse? The storehouse is the place where the food is stored, where you get fed. So if this is the place where the spiritual food is 
fed, uh, is stored, where you get fed, guess where you bring the tithe? It isn't yours to divide up and send to different places. It's his. So you bring the whole tithe. The word tithe means tenth. You bring the whole tithe into the storehouse in order that there will be enough food. Does that make sense? Well, let's see, Jim. Is that, do I tithe on gross or net? I don't know. Which one do you want him to bless, gross or net? You decide that one. I'm just saying bring the first tenth to him. And then he goes on to, what does he say next? Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. It's the only command in all of Scripture where God says, you can test me on this one. You can prove me on this one. Check me out and see if it isn't true. And then he gives us this two-part promise that is absolutely amazing. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. That's the first part of the blessing. I'm going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing. What's the second part of the, of the promise? I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops, right? And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. What's he saying? I mean, not that many vine makers around here, not that many farmers that were dependent on our farms for food. What's he talking about? He's saying, not only will I pour out blessing, but I will make what you have last longer. I will not only give you more, but I will preserve what I've already given you if you will put me first. If you put me first, seek first the kingdom of heaven, first fruits, then I will pour out a blessing on you and I will preserve what you have. And I know immediately, do not send me emails this week or say nasty things on Facebook about me this week. How tithing is an Old Testament concept. It's a legalistic practice. And I say, no, it's not. It's a premise tied to a promise. That is so powerful that God said, if you want to believe if I'm really here, check it out. Do this and see what happens. You really want to know if there's a God? Check it out. See if this really happens. Can I tell you that I believe this so strongly that you might not even be a follower of Jesus Christ? You might not even make it into heaven, but the principle is still true on earth. I've known some people far from God, some pagans, who practiced this principle, and it came back to them over and over and over again. That money didn't buy their way into heaven. Jesus is the only way. But the principle was still true. So don't talk to me about legalism, please. In fact, if you want to get legalistic about it, the New Testament model is 100%. Jesus blessed the widow who gave her last penny. He said, let the dead bury the dead, come follow me. The New Testament principle is all of it. So if you come to me and say, you know, 10% is a, is a legalistic standard, it's okay, well, what percentage do you give? If it's less than 100, I'm not sure I want to talk. Because here's what I know, this is a premise tied to a promise. Here's what I'm trying to say. If you want to guarantee that God will be supernaturally involved in your financial life, do this. Otherwise, you're on your own. i got to tell you, for me, for Kim, 
we got a lot more confidence in God than we do in Social Security. The second 10% goes to savings. You pay yourself. You worked hard. You deserved it, right? Put 10% in some kind of long-range savings investment, something that will produce a return, whether it's a, a mutual fund or stocks and bonds or you buy gold or whatever it is you want to do. We're not talking about mad money. We're not talking about short-term savings to go on vacation this year. We're talking about long-term, put it away. And if you're sitting there thinking, man, that sounds great. I'd love to save, but I can't afford to. All I can tell you is what Solomon said in Proverbs 21:20. The wise person saves for the future, but the foolish person spends all he gets. We're going to talk next week about being a lender instead of a debtor. But for now, just know financial freedom comes when instead of you always working for your money, your money is finally working for you. Make sense? So the first 10% goes to? The second 10% goes to? Say me. It goes to me. I get it, right? The remaining 80% goes to everybody else. The butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, you know, you, you use it to pay for housing and food and clothes and, and your car and your vacation, your recreation, debt reduction, all that kind of stuff. Maybe even a free will offering every now and then when God leads you to give beyond the tithe to disaster relief or the giving life fund or one of those kind of things. Can, can I just tell you on a personal note that after years and years of, of now living on this plan, I've come to the conclusion that, that after you've honored God with that first 10%, and then you've paid yourself with that second 10%, there is incredible freedom in the remaining 80%. There is no stress in spending that 80%. There's no worry in spending that 80%. There's just, I mean, you can even go to Hotel 6 once in a while and just splurge. I mean, you can go out to dinner more. You can even go large when you go through the drive-thru. I mean, it's, come on. You can, it's amazing. When you're on plan, honoring God, paying yourself, life is good. Financial freedom is attainable, and you're able to honor God's word, Romans 13, 7, pay everyone then what you owe him. If you owe any kind of tax, pay it. Show respect and honor them all. I know some of you are still back there looking at your paycheck and saying, okay, Jim, that sounds good, but, but it can't be done. No way it can't be done. Again, please understand, nobody's trying to be legalistic here. All I'm saying is if you want God supernaturally involved in your finances, if you want to tap into his promise to meet all of your needs, you've got to manage your money, little or much, his way. Faith and finances are absolutely linked to one another. You, you, do, do you understand that that's what offering fit for a king is ultimately all about? Those of you who have been a part of the bridge for a long time know that every year, about this time of year, we give you an opportunity to make a demonstration. And at the end of the day, yes, that, that money's going to come into the kingdom of God and we're going to use it in the kingdom of God and a lot of lives are going to be blessed and changed and people are going to get saved and all kinds of cool stuff. But at the end of the day, it's a chance for you to say, I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to step out and I'm going to, I'm going to do what the Bible says, whether I can see it, feel it, touch it or not. Maybe you've never tithed before and you're not sure you're ever going to again. 
on that weekend, September 28th in the Goldsboro campus, October 1st in this campus and the Mount Olive campus, we're all going to take that step together. We're asking you simply to make a demonstration on that first weekend in October of this is what an accurate tithe for the month would be and just bring it in that day there's some envelopes i think in your seats so they were distributed to you uh take those envelopes spend some time looking at them praying over them in fact you'll see an instruction in there to make this a family deal to sit down with your family you you understand parents that you have a chance to role model to your children and your grandchildren that you trust god even when you can't figure out the math You have a chance to say to your children and grandchildren, I believe with everything in me that 80% will go further than 100% would. Simply because I believe what God has said. For those of you that already established the tithe, for Kim and I, who have been tithing for many, many years, we've been saving for many, many years, we've been doing 10, 10, 80 for almost 40 years now, it's a chance to ask God, what portion of the 80% would you like for us to bring into the kingdom of God that day, and let's just celebrate that day, an amazing offering that's going to be used in the kingdom of God, but again, far more importantly, a step of faith that God has promised He will honor in your life. In fact, before we move into why this can be hard, let me give you a little incentive, okay? I, I sat down with my little trusty computer, found a financial calculator online, and, and I ran some numbers this week just out of curiosity. I thought I'd share them with you. Now, I'm not going to put them on the screen because I don't want you to bog down in the detail of this. I just want you to get the feel of it, okay? Let's assume for conversation's sake that you're 25 years old, that you stay on 10, 10, 80 until you retire at 65 years old. So you're on plan for 40 years. Got it? It's like this if you got it. You're with me? Okay. Let's assume, sorry if it's true, but let's assume that you never make more than minimum wage. You make $7.25 an hour your entire 40-year working life. Assume that you put the 10% into a mutual fund that paid an average of 7% over the years. That's a little high right now. It's a little low in other seasons. 7%, they tell me, uh, is is a good average overall over the long term. Do do you know what you got at the end of the day? At at age 65, you know what you got? You know how the math works out? You will have given $65,000 to the Lord's work, and you'll have $330,000. $15.60 in your freedom fund, having never earned more than minimum wage. You just simply did it God's way. Well, then I thought, well, let's run these numbers based on average income in Goldsboro, Wayne County. Let's see how that works out. Let's say that the average age in this room is 40. Some older, some younger, but the average age is 40. And let's say that you make the average income in this area, which is around 40. So let's say you stay on plan for 25 years from today until you're age 65, okay? Again, you want to know what the numbers are? Just 25 years in plan now. You will have given $99,990 to the Lord's work. And you'll have $271,596.32 in your freedom fund, having never made more than the average income of the community. Now, if you were to start that at age 25 and make that average over 40, less when you're younger, more when you're older perhaps, then you will have given $159,998.40 to the Lord's work. 
and you'll have, brace yourself, $880,032.80 in your freedom fund, having never made a dime more than the average person in Wayne County, simply because you did it God's way. Man, you can go to Hotel 6 every year. You can go to the movies without sneaking snacks in. <laughs> Is this making sense? Is this stirring anything in your spirit? <laughs> Here's the question, though. If this is so basic and so simple and so workable and God is honored and you are blessed, the promise is tied to the premise, then why don't we just all sign up and get started? Why don't we just dismiss now and go home and make a plan and start doing it? Why is it so hard? Do you know the answer? It's one word. Da 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 da. Remember the answer? Spending. We all know in the deep recesses of our hearts that we have this uncontrollable urge to spend. <laughs> so, in a few minutes we've got left, let me just mention quickly some spending categories that get us in trouble, okay? And if you identify one of them, then bring that to the Lord, okay? Begin to deal with it. In fact, that I was broken, now I'm not class is not just information, it's coaching. It's somebody that can help you walk through this stuff and begin to develop the plan and help you get from where you are to where I'm describing today, 10, 10, 80. Get into that class, take advantage of it. But understand, there's going to be some categories that will get you in trouble if you're not careful. Let me mention all six of them just very quickly, and then we're going to wrap this thing up today, okay? The first one is the saddest one. That's what the experts call compulsive spending. That's the kind of spending when there's an unmet need in your life. Most people are not even aware that that's what's going on, but, they, but rather than figure out what's going on and face it and deal with it, they just go out and spend money as an escape mechanism. It's a, it's a self-medication, just as some people would, would drink to excess or some people would use drugs, illicit drugs. Some people go shopping as a way to medicate their internal pain. You may think that's not me. No way. Uh-uh. But let's be honest, guys, we've all on some occasion felt bad and thought, I'm going shopping. I'll feel better if I buy that thing I've been wanting. It can be that simple, and yet it can happen to all of us. And the result is that far too many wind up in prison cells of debt, and they don't even understand what happened, compulsive Spending is one you might want to investigate in your own heart. Revenge spending is one I've seen a lot over the years as a pastor. That's I've seen husbands and wives particularly do it to each other. I'll show him. I'll buy that dress whether he wants me to or not. Where's my visa card? Right? I'll show her I'm going to buy that boat whether we can afford it or not. Just go after each other and in the process sabotage the family finances. I've also seen people who work hard, discipline themselves, budget for a while, drive a 10-year-old car, and then one day they're just so they're weary of working the plan and they say, you know what, we're going on vacation, whether we can afford it or not, because we deserve it. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. 
What, you deserve going into debt? You deserve getting off plan and missing out on the blessing? What is it that you deserve? Come on, guys, we've all been there. We have to be careful about those kind of things. Boredom spending is one I have to include in the list, but it makes no sense to me whatsoever. I, I just doesn't compete for me. I, I, you're sitting at home and you think, I'm bored. I think I'll go shopping. I can't fathom that one. I mean, to go shopping for recreation, I don't know. buy something you don't need to impress people you don't like with money you can't afford because you're bored. I, that's why. What's the payoff in that? In fact, I'll just say quickly, if you're bored, give us a call. I can think of a hundred areas so we can put you to work volunteering and it won't cost you a dime. Okay? The phone will be ringing off the hook tomorrow, I know. Fourth is special interest spending. Special interest spending. This is the person who works the plan, does well. But he does have an Achilles heel. He's got that one weak area, that one area where he goes bananas, dare I say, upgrade. The newest iPhone's about to come out. The latest computer's coming around. Before you know it, we've upgraded and we've saved so much money. Now, don't misunderstand me. If it fits in the 80%, have at it. Go for it. Enjoy yourself. There's nothing wrong with indulging wants as long as you're honoring God, paying yourself, and living within your means. Impulsive spending, though, will, compulsive spending will bring you down. Revenge spending, boredom spending, special interest spending, it will bring you down. Status spending is one that's never quite made sense to me, but a lot of people get caught up in it. I mean, and that, that often starts when we're kids and we go to school and, and the classmate has a new sweater or, or, or they've got some special designer thing and we feel left out because some of the kids have got it and we don't. Special kind of tennis shoes that we want. It's amazing how ra rational we can be when we're trying to keep up with the Joneses. By the time you catch up, they refinance. I don't know why. We think we're keeping up, but, but again, guys, it, it, it can be insidious. Matt Julian came to the house this weekend. He's an owner here at the bridge, long-term part of our church family. He's a plumber, and he came to my house. He was doing some work, and he drove up in his brand-new GMC Sierra 4x4 pickup and parked it next to my 10-year-old GMC Sierra pickup. Now, if you'd ask me a day or two ago if I like my truck, I would say, I love my truck. <laughs> now, suddenly, I'm looking at Matt's truck and going, well, I'm driving a bucket of bolts. This thing's all scratched up. You know, it's getting a lot of miles on it. Maybe I better trade it while it's still got some good life in it. It's still got a little value. I really need to upgrade my truck. Y'all never had any of that stuff before, right? And I said to Matt, you got to pray for me. And he said, well, well, sure, I'd be glad to pray for you, preacher. What about? I said, I'm coveting right now. <laughs> and then he gave me the definitive word. I got payments, you don't. <laughs> I'm good. I'll be okay. 
but it happens to all of us, guys. And if you don't guard your heart, it'll happen to you. The sixth one, though, is the one that I think happens most commonly. I just call it impulse spending, impulsive spending. I mean, you get, you, you, you get all fired up about the plan. You start working the plan. You plan to stick with it, and things are going well, and you start to see some produce from it. You're seeing God's blessings in your life, and, and you're, you're seeing your freedom fund begin to, to grow, and then you're walking through the store, and the intercom comes on, and the announcer comes on and says, we, are, we got a 15-minute sale, 50% off. You can save a lot of money. And before you know it, you're drifting. Oh, well, let me just see what it is. Oh, boy, I can get that for $100. It normally costs $200. Now, here's what we do. We come home, and we show it to our spouse, and we say, look, I saved $100. (laughs) Are you aware of the fact that there are people with master's degrees who spend 60 hours a week in high-rise buildings redefining words for you? And they have successfully redefined the word saved. It used to mean take some, put it away, leave it there. Saved. Now it means spend less than I was planning to spend. I saved $100. No, you didn't. You spent $100 that you might not have been able to afford. Now, if you were planning to buy it and it fits in your 80%, praise God. I didn't have to spend as much as I thought I was going to spend. But you didn't save. You spent less. Does that make sense? It's so simple and so basic, and yet we all get caught up in it. Impulsive spenders get all goofed up in their plans. They learn to rationalize they're spending in all kinds of ways before you know what they're off plan. And, and here's what they tell me. The average American lives on 110% of their income. And that's across the board, high income, low income, 110%. How do you do that? Credit cards. We'll talk about debt next week i got to close, but I'll just say very quickly in a, in a personal testimony kind of way, when Kim and I were first pastoring, uh, I guess it was in the late 70s, I, I had a good friend who was a pastor, friend of mine. We were going to Heritage Bible College together, and we rode together a lot, and, and he had a next-door neighbor that was a bricklayer. His name was Charlie. And uh, he wasn't, didn't own a big company or anything. He was just a bricklayer, and he'd hire people. People hire him, come lay his brick. And so he was a laborer all his life, worked hard all his life, and Charlie retired. And I started noticing when I'd go pick up my friend that, uh, that Charlie bought a boat. And Charlie remodeled his house. And Charlie started doing all kinds of stuff. And I finally said to Mike, my friend one day, I said, I, you know, I don't really know this guy, but I know you told me that he was a laborer and now he's retired. It seems like he's living better since he retired than he did when he was working how is that? And Mike said, 10, 10, 80. I'd never heard that expression in my life. Kim, were, I was in my, I guess, late uh, 20s. I was 25. Kim was 21. 10, 10, 80, what is that? 
He brought Charlie over, and Charlie said, yeah, I've, I've given 10% to God all my life. I've put 10% away all my life. I've lived within my means all my life, and now I have more money every year than I ever had when I was working all my life. Can I tell you that Kim and I spent a third of our adult life on the mission field? We spent another third of our lives planting a new church that paid us almost nothing. And today, I have this job, not because I need a job, it's because God called me to do it. I retire anytime I please, financially. Why? Because I made a lot of money? No, I didn't make a lot of money. 10, 10, 80. It works. Trust me, it works. I don't know, Jim, it's kind of late for me to start. No, 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 no. When's the best day to plant a tree? 20 years ago. When's the second best day to plant a tree? Today. Jesus said we can be free. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Lord appointed me to tell the good news to the poor. He has sent me to tell the captives they are free. He later said, if I set you free, you are free indeed. He's talking about the poor. He's talking about financial freedom. But he's also talking about spiritual freedom. Because hear me, guys, at the end of the day, what happens on this side of eternity doesn't matter. This is just preparation for forever. And if we're honest with ourselves in the quietness of this moment, we have to be honest with the fact that we don't just have financial debt. We have piled up a mountain of moral debt in sin before our God. And it's a debt that's way too big to pay. It can't be done. That's why Jesus said, I've come to set you free. To telestai, he said on the cross, it is finished. It's an accounting term that says the debt is paid. So I am talking to you about financial freedom today, but far more importantly, I'm talking to you about being free in Jesus Christ. I'm talking about being free of the guilt and the anxiety and the shame that's so directly tied to the way you've lived your life in every area of your life, in every area of my life. I'm talking about being absolutely, for real, free. And I got the feeling that some of you came here today, some of you are watching online right now, and yes, you would love to be financially free, but first, the premise to the promise is that this promise to meet all your needs is to those who are in Christ. So you've got to start this journey by giving your life to Jesus Christ. So we're going to pray. I'm going to pray for you that are already following Christ and ask you to take that step of faith to say, I believe God's word is true, and I'm going to step into that promise by, by meeting the premise. I'm going to pray for you that haven't yet taking that step to say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, give you the opportunity to connect with him today. Can we pray together? Thank you, Jesus. Just in the quietness of this moment, nobody's looking around, it's just me and you and God for a minute. Let's start with you that are not absolutely sure that you've settled accounts with God. Will you pray a simple prayer with me? Jesus, I owe a debt I cannot pay. I have not lived up to my own standards. Let's 
much less yours, would you forgive my debt? Would you give me a fresh start today? Would you give me a new life? My commitment to you, Lord, is that if you'll give me a fresh start, I'll do my best to do it your way this time. Are you praying, guys, some of you across this room? All over the world online, are you praying? I need Jesus. I'm tired of this guilt. I'm tired of this shame. I'm tired of this load. I'm ready to be free. Thank you, Jesus, for telling us that if we will confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive. In Jesus' name. Now for you, for we who are followers of Jesus Christ, and we want to be financially free. Are you ready to pray a prayer? God, forgive me for not always handling the finances you blessed me with your way. In some cases, I, I did give you first fruits, but I didn't save. In other cases, I didn't give first fruits to you, but I paid myself. Or I didn't live within the 80%. I've used credit cards to accumulate consumer debt. Forgive me. Give me a fresh start today. Help me to do it your way this time. And believe by faith that if I will do it your way, you will make up the difference between what I'm capable of and what I need. In Jesus' name. Father, you know who's praying across this place. Speak into all of our lives freedom. And let us leave this place knowing that in Christ we are free. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? If you made that decision, if you prayed that prayer, would you do me the honor of sending me a, 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 a text to 72345, hashtag new life to 72345. Let me know that you just began that journey with Jesus. We want to pray for you. If you're a Christian and you prayed that prayer for financial freedom, then please let us know. A connect card by some means, let us know. Sign up for I was broken, now I'm not. Let us know how we can pray for you as you move forward. Because at the end of the day, God wants us financially free. Amen. Don't forget one for change on the way out. Drop a dollar in the basket. We're able to bless somebody in this community. Father, thank you for the chance to spend this time together. We dedicate it to you. And we look forward to seeing what you do with our one and only lives. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. See you next Sunday.